So let's get into our study tonight. Uh, one, other, one other thing, too, uh, we'll, and this is kind of announcements and the study. Uh, if you haven't been with us on Wednesday night, we've been opening things up for a Q&A at the end. And hopefully we'll have time for that tonight. So, you know, if, if there's something that comes to mind, um, you know, at, at the end, hopefully we'll have time to address that. And then uh, someone got a, uh, gave me a good suggestion tonight. We've done this in prior times with Q&A. Sometimes people are a little intimidated to ask. And so there again on your bulletin, on the tear off, or you could take a prayer card if you have a question that maybe you're too embarrassed to ask. You just sign someone else's name and, or something like that. Or you're just like incredibly shy as some people are. And it'd be like, oh, yeah, I, can't, I can't raise my hand or whatever. Absolutely, you can write down a question on there. And uh, you know what? I'll, I'll do my best with those as well and uh, so forth. So throw that out there. And uh, maybe uh, at some point we'll have to do, you know what? If we get a lot of those questions, maybe we can do a night. Uh, where we just look at those, provided that if I look at it, where there can be teaching in that and so forth, or we'll do a shorter study and address more of that. So um, throw that out there to you guys. So again, here we are, Matthew 24. Um, again, I already told you what's going on. Jesus is answering this question. What will be the sign of your coming, the end of the age? We've looked at a lot already. I'm not going to review all that tonight. Uh, I think this is about our 12th study or something like that, maybe more than that. And here we are, verse 36, or 37. <laughs> and we're building out verse 36 because uh, it, it, verse 36 and verse 42, they're kind of, you know, the pieces of bread, and then we got the meat in the middle. And verse 36 says, But that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. And in verse 42, which Lord willing will get to tonight, it says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And we addressed last week, and I'll review it again at the end of the study, uh, what day and hour is he talking about? Because remember, with the day of the Lord, it's not a singular event, it's a series of events that includes the rapture of the church, the great tribulation, uh, and even the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, are all part of what's called the day of the Lord. In the Bible, a day can be a literal 24-hour day, or it can be a period of time that's always defined by the context, you know, creation, morning, and there was evening and morning, that's the first day. That's pretty easy to uh, understand what's being talked about. They're a literal day. And then there's other places where, again, a day is a season, and we look at the context. And again, we look at the series of events. We look at other passages that talk about the day of the Lord, and it's pretty easy to see the day of the Lord is a period of time. And so what day is he talking about here? Uh, that no one knows within the day of the Lord. And I threw out there last week, and we've been talking about throughout this, the coming of the Lord for his church, where we are going to be caught up, and we're going to talk about that a lot tonight. Caught up, and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus talked about this, that I'm going to come back and get you, so you'll be where I'm at. Our text tonight, I believe, talks about this. We're not told, we're, we're, we're not giving, given any uh, inclination at all uh, what day that will happen upon. We're told to always be looking, always to be watching. When it comes, though, to the literal second coming of the Lord at the end of the seven-year tribulation, which is talked about in Revelation 19, where it talks about the armies of God coming back on white horse clothed with white robes. It's a clear picture of the church coming back with the Lord. We are given a timeline for that. And remember, we've been talking about Daniel's 70th week throughout this, that seven-year period at the end of the age reserved to bring all of Israel into salvation. Remember, at the middle of that covenant that's made between the Antichrist and Israel, uh, it seems like at least all the other Middle Eastern nations outside of Jordan, in the middle of that time, remember, there's the abomination of desolation, uh, Jesus talks about that in this sermon. In fact, he says you've got to understand that to even get what he's talking about. Uh, we're told in, in uh, multiple places that there's a three-and-a-half-year period, and then there's the literal second coming of the Lord. And according to the lunar calendar, which they went by a 360-day year, um, 
and that's the, the uh, amount of days used. It's a literally 1,260 days. So it seems clear to me that this is a reference, and, and I know some people look at it different, but this seems to me being a reference that uh, the day that he's talking about that no one knows is, the, the again, the rapture of the church. Uh, no one knows that day. The literal second coming, all, all you need is a calendar, and you can start knocking off days from that abomination of desolation. So that sets us up a little bit because now he's going to talk about that day and what it's going to be like. And we're going to see the Lord using the illustration of Noah and Noah being spared from the wrath that came upon the earth. And uh, we know in Luke's gospel, Jesus also refers to that day being like the day of Lot. And Lot was taken from the city and then destruction came. And there seems to be a clear parable with that and the church being taken, and then the wrath of God poured out uh, during the great tribulation. And so notice verse 37, and we'll read down to verse uh, 42, and then dive deeper into this. It says, but as the days of Noah were, so also will will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming, uh, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. And then notice verse 42 Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, we're going to dive into the days of Noah here in a minute, and we're going to get into some. Many would say this is some crazy stuff because there were some crazy things happening in the days of Noah. And we're going to do that because it seems clear from the text and, and many agree that the Lord's not just referring to Noah being put in the ark and then destruction coming, but also to the, the idea that as things were in the days of Noah, so things will be on the earth at the coming of the Lord. And we're going to talk about uh, what was going on in the days of Noah and try to make some connection with things that are going on today. But before we do that, I want to point out something in this passage and in some other passages in the New Testament that I think are incredibly valuable uh, and important. And they even address uh, some of the things we talked about earlier in our study in prior weeks when we were talking about false teachers and false prophets and so forth. And one of the nights we talked about the attack on the Bible from certain pastors, even going so far to say we need to unhinge ourselves from the Old Testament because academia can't accept the idea of the flood or the account of Jonah and the great fish or, you know, accounts like the Red Sea splitting and you know, the nation of Israel escaping Egypt and then it coming back down upon the Egyptians and so forth. And this angle, because academia can't accept that or, you know, the idea that uh, the theory of evolution, you, you know, it disproves the six-day creation, though there's not an iota of evidence for the theory of evolution. It's complete nonsense. Uh, you know, with that in mind, though, this is incredibly valuable. And I, this, this, what, what I want to point out here uh, is, is something we should be aware of because people like talking about these different things and it's important we talk to folks about things like Noah and creation and Jonah and Sodom and Gomorrah. But listen, the, the, what we really want to do with non-believers is just not talk about that stuff. What do we want to do more so? We want to talk about Jesus, Amen. Um, because Noah didn't die for anyone's sins, neither did Lot or Jonah uh, or Moses. You know, there's some pictures of Christ in various aspects of some of these guys' lives. But ultimately, uh, what's more important, uh, winning an argument about the great flood or getting the gospel out there to the individual you're talking to? And what I want to point out here, when these things come up, it's so important 
with the, that we, we point people to Jesus and what Jesus believed. Because as we just read this, it's very clear that Jesus Christ believed the biblical account of Noah and the great flood. Because he refers to it here. You know, my, the, 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 that day will be like, you know what, the days of Noah. And they were doing their thing, and then a great flood came and took them all away. And so I would encourage you, if you're having a conversation with someone about the great flood and Noah, and they're like, oh man, I don't believe that and this and that. And you can take them to so many evidences of the great flood from every ancient civilization in the world having a record of the great flood to you can go on the highest mountains on earth and we're going to find fossils of fish and seashells and so forth. That's pretty good evidence of a great flood and many other evidences as well. But I think the better thing to do is to say, hey, do you know Jesus believed in Noah and the great flood? Oh, he did? You know what? Yeah, he did. And you take him to a text like this and you read it. And then how easy to segue to, hey, you know what else what, what, what Jesus did and Jesus talked about? He talked about your soul. <laughs> and take him right to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, again, he believed in the great flood and Noah. The Lord also believed in a six-day creation. Notice Mark 6.10 or 10.6, it says, but from the beginning, this is Jesus talking, but from the beginning God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father or mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And so the Lord refers here to creation, and he refers to man making male and female at the beginning of creation in fact we are told it's on day six that god creates man and then woman from his side day six is a lot different than 13 and a half billion years in or whatever the new number is because there's always a new number right we always got to tack on another billion years because we're realizing our math is fuzzy and so we'll just throw a little bit more time at it and if you give it enough time you know, you, you give three monkeys on a typewriter enough time, you know, they can give us, you know, the works of William Shakespeare. You know, that's what the argument is. But that's not what the Lord says. He says, from the beginning, God made them. And notice, how did he make them? Male and female. That's addressing some other cultural issues of the day. As well as, for this reason, a man shall leave his father or mother, the masculine, and be joined to his wife, the feminine, the two shall become one flesh lord addressing a lot of things in these few verses and so if an issue of creation comes up an an issue of gender comes up an issue of biblical marriage or really holy matrimony and again just about every culture in the history of the world marriage was one man and one woman and when it began to be perverse and they said a couple fellows a couple gals you know what usually comes after that in the near future judgment and a culture implodes Go study your history books. So what a great way, though, to bring Jesus into the conversation. The same thing with the days of Lot. And I want to read this uh, because this will tie into what we're going to get to here in a minute. Because in Luke 17, it parallels this sermon here in Matthew 24. And Jesus says in Luke 17, 28, Likewise, also, uh, Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, and he's talking about this day we're talking about, the day of the Lord or the coming of the Lord, they ate and drank, bought, they sold, they planted and they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And again, there's some people, they don't like the idea of Sodom and Gomorrah. They say, well, that was just made up and so forth, even though you can go south of the Dead Sea in Israel where they know Sodom was, and you can find in the, the, the mountainsides there, you can still find balls of brimstone and salt uh, immensely all over the place and so forth. I mean, physical evidences abound, but how much better to say, well, what? You know, Jesus talked about this. Do you know Jesus uh, believed in, in uh, the account of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and so forth? And then, listen, I'll give you another one, Jonah. Jonah and the great fish 
And here's a man fleeing from what God had called him to do. And the Lord chastens him by having a uh, great fish swallow him. And three days and three nights. And then, you know, we know how the account goes. And some people, oh, sure, you know, don't. What are you doing down there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, we get it fixed? Okay. I guess we can turn that one up louder or grab another one. So, anyhow, um, you know, people, that's ludicrous. That couldn't happen. And yet, Jesus, once again, you know what? Throws out there Matthew 12 uh, 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The Lord talks about Moses. The Lord talks about Moses uh, writing the, the first five books of the Bible. The Lord talks about Abraham. So many things. The Lord quotes the Old Testament over and over and over again. And is there any better witness to these things than the person of Jesus Christ? I mean, Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He was there for all of these things. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And guess what? Hebrews 6.18 says, it's impossible for God to lie. I think these things are especially valuable nowadays when it comes to people that profess to be Christians, but they have a low view of the Bible. And perhaps even as we're talking about this, you're thinking about people that you know that profess to be Christians that say, well, I don't believe in the account of Noah, the great flood. I, I don't believe in a six-day creation. Uh, there's no way I can believe in the account of Jonah or Sodom or so forth. Well, the one that you profess as Lord believes in all those things and was very clear about all those things. See, we got to remember that men love suppressing truth in unrighteousness. These are things that convict the soul and so forth. All the things that we've looked at here. Uh, these are issues that dealt with sin. There's pictures of salvation here and so forth. And that convicts the soul of the person that is in rebellion against God. And so we're living in a culture that wants to suppress that truth and unrighteousness and lies and so forth. It's really Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness and men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness and so this is the reason why there's so much of this around us in the world one other thing and then we'll move into talking about the days of noah again the lord believed in the account of creation and a six-day creation he believed in the account of noah and the great flood uh, lot sodom and gomorrah jonah and the great fish and you know what he also believes in? Uh, the end of the age. <laughs> and his second coming. And I think it's easy to fall in a place where we start to doubt that. And where we're gathered together singing Maranatha, come quickly. And maybe in the back of our minds we're saying, do I really believe that he's coming? It's easy for us to begin to doubt those things when we lean on our own understanding. When we put God's word to the side. When we begin to look at maybe, you know what, as we talked about last week, date setters that were wrong about the coming of the Lord. Uh, when we look at even maybe the last 50 years of history, starting in the 70s, it seems, there was a, 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 a great amount of emphasis put upon the second coming of the Lord and prophetic things, even moving up into the early 2000s with like, the left behind season. And there's a lot of people running around there. Oh, I'm burned out on all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the Lord ain't coming. Things have been as they've always, things will be as they've always been and so forth. And yet again, they forget that the Lord said, that's another one of the signs of his soon return. Don't lean on your own understanding in these things. Acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledge the Lord in all these things. Acknowledge the Lord in these accounts. Acknowledge the Lord and what he's saying here, and he'll make your path straight. Because, listen, where we are here in this text, the Lord starts getting real personal with the believer of things we should be doing and watching and being about his business and so forth. And that's going to come out of not someone leaning on their own understanding, but instead that's going to come out of acknowledging the Lord in all of our ways. Because the thing he calls us to aren't things that we can manufacture. These are things that come from the work of God 
in our life as we're allowing him to work on our life via prayer and the word and worship and fellowship and abiding and walking with him. So again, he says here in our text, uh, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the days uh, will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then he talks about the flood coming and taking them away. And it will be like that in the sense of when the Lord comes. And again, I'm looking at this from the angle of the Lord coming for his church because we don't know that day or the hour. We are going to be taken away like Lot was taken out of Sodom, like Noah was taken again in the ark and a destruction will come upon the earth. We'll look at some scriptures that uh, refer to this as well in the New Testament uh, in regards to the coming of the Lord. But again, it's been proposed. And listen, many people believe, Bible scholars, Bible teachers, and so forth, that the Lord also is referring to the state of the world in the days of Lot, in the days of Noah, being like the state of the world before the Lord comes for his church, the day of the Lord, and so forth. So I think it's important that we go back and we remember what the Bible says about the days of Noah. And there in your notes, I have Genesis 6, 1 through 13. And I want to read this through this and then talk about some of these things and even talk about some of the supernatural things that were happening in those days and kind of give you my opinion. And listen, I'll say it's my opinion on uh, perhaps what's happening today or what might be happening or some things that might unfold in the near future uh, and the reasons why I, you know what, think that that could be the case. Now, notice Genesis 6, 1, it says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, Yet his day shall be 120 years. And notice verse 4. There were giants on the earth in those days. And afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men of old, the men of renown. Verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. And then verse 8. And we see that glorious word, uh, B-U-T, but. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Aren't you glad for the grace of God tonight? And then notice verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11, and the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their ways on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence uh, through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then he goes to give Noah instruction about building the ark and so forth. And we don't got time to get into all that tonight. But notice it says that in those days, the sons of God looked on the daughters of men. They took them as wives. And from those relations came giants or men of renown. Now, there's a lot of different opinions on these things. I got one. And I believe that it's biblically based. People say, well, who are these sons of God's? And listen, we interpret Scripture with Scripture. And in the book of Job, we see the same phrase, the sons of God, in Job 1.6. It says, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And we see here the sons of God being referred to angelic beings, angelic beings and fallen angelic beings as well. Later in Job, it's uh, talked about again. The sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And then it's interesting in Jude, in the New Testament, in verse 6, it says, 
And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And then notice, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these. So he says Sodom and Gomorrah, they acted in similar manner to these angels that didn't keep their proper domain. It says, uh, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So he's saying Sodom and Gomorrah follow the example of angels. And we see the connection with them being called sons of God. And that they went after strange flesh and gave themselves over to sexual immorality. And I believe the most biblical view on this is that there were angels that had not fallen yet. And they were tempted when they saw the beauty of women And they came upon them and took them as wives and they had offspring that were giants and they were men of renown. And listen, if we want to start talking about history, biblical history and history in general, our history is loaded with accounts of giants. And I know people think of, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk and whatever, a Bugs Bunny cartoon. But archaeology is loaded with historical findings of bones that make men from anywhere from 12 to some even argue 36 feet tall so it's pretty crazy the bible repeatedly talks about giants before and after the flood i think we're all familiar of with david and goliath with king og of bashan who they say was at least i believe 14 feet tall and so forth and you look at this and don't you go what the heck is going on here this is some crazy stuff and how does this relate to the days we're living in if the days of the coming of the lord likes is like the days of noah well let's explain let me explain what was going on here uh, at least what i believe that was going on biblically when man fell in the garden god gave the promise of a savior who would come and he said that savior is going to come the, the serpent will bruise his heel, but the Savior to come will crush his head. That happened at the cross of Calvary. But notice in verse 13, the Lord also says, here I'll just read the whole account, uh, Genesis three fourteen and 15, it says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity... Between you and the woman, and notice here, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So between the seed of the woman and the seed of of Satan, he says, I'm going to put enmity between the both of you. And many believe that what was going on is that angels were being tempted, they were falling, they were impregnating women, an offspring of giants, men of renown came. What was the purpose of that? Was the purpose just so that those angels could fulfill, you know, that which they had been tempted with? No, the purpose was to try to cut off the seed of the Savior. If we can go and corrupt this, then a Savior can't be born. Mankind is lost forever, and we prove God to be a liar. It's the greatest explanation why as well God would destroy the world with a worldwide flood and start over again. Because remember, it says that all the earth was corrupted before God, but Noah was a just man. And it seems that a corruption had come into the genetics of mankind to the point where God said to have a savior, we need to do a reboot. I mean, wouldn't a revival be better than a reboot? We read of several revivals throughout the Bible, but it says man had corrupted himself. And so a worldwide flood came and the lord says i'm going to start over then soon after that i'm going to separate a nation to myself called israel who oftentimes would have to do what they would have to go fight canaanite and different nations that were full of what listen this is i stand on the word of god on this that were full of giants some people are like oh i'm getting uncomfortable here this is getting weird up in here this stuff's biblical it's biblical go on and wipe out all of them why Because they are trying to destroy the promise of coming Messiah. Now listen, 
there's some different ideas on this. Some people say, well, you know what, we're, we're looking at the line of Seth versus the line of Cain. I think you got a hard time standing in that. There's some really wacky thoughts where, and I heard three different people say this last week, of, and I, I've heard this a few times. They all told me, well, I believe that Eve had relations with the serpent, and that's where Cain came from, and so that's the seed of the devil, and there's devils walking around us in human flesh to this day. They get that from the Gnostic Gospel of Philip, which was written in the second century by mystic uh, uh, Gnostics who took up names of the disciples to try to legitimize their works where they said all flesh is evil and all spirit is good. So on one hand, we can worship God while engaging in carnality and there's nothing wrong with that. Those false gospels speak nothing of sin. They speak nothing of salvation. They speak nothing of repentance. And then on top of that, Genesis 4, 1 says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. That's pretty clear, right? (laughs) And you say, where in the world did this come from? I'll be real quick on this. There was a guy uh, uh, several years ago named William Branham. And he taught this idea that, that Eve and the serpent had relations and Cain was born And he taught as well that the serpent was the missing link between chimpanzees and man. And again, he gets this from the the Gnostic gospel, which is not a gospel of all of of Philip. And these have been proven to be complete frauds. They're forgeries. Again, written in the second century, and they took names like Thomas and Philip and Jude and so forth came up with these doctrines of demons that contradict the word of God. And so we say, oh, the lost books of the Bible. They ain't lost books of the Bible. It's nonsense. It's gibberish. And what's interesting about William Branham, and this guy had tons of false teachings, he, he's the one that introduced what's called the New Apostolic Reformation, which is super popular today and becoming very mainstream today. He taught that, uh, him and his group were the two witnesses talked about in the Bible, and they'd be bringing plagues and things on the earth uh, in, in the Great Tribulation. I mean, this dude was way out there. At the time, the assemblies of God had to combat this because they were in the same realm of, you know, charismatic Christians, Pentecostal Christians. And they praise God, biblically identify this man as a false prophet, a false teacher, and they deem him and his teaching complete heresy. And it went away for quite a long time. But again, in these days, these things have been reintroduced through the modern New Apostolic uh, Reformation or the Manifest Sons of God movement, or you might know it by Bethel Church. And Jesus culture and Bill Johnson. And the thing is with this, this stuff's becoming mainstream. And elements of it are being embraced in other movements as well. And it begins to tie into what's called kingdom now theology. And I started naming certain names that are promoting this. Some of you guys would fall out of your seats. And it's this idea that the Lord's going to come back as we as Christians conquer the world. And they have this idea there's seven mountains of culture. When you start hearing a pastor talking about the seven mountains of culture and how Christians need to be on the top of those mountains and God's ordainedness to do that, red flags should start going up. Again, it's tying in a lot of groups together that have, uh, you know, there's really a carnality in it of let's build our kingdom here so the Lord can come back versus I'm a tent dweller here. I'm blessed here. I mean, look at us out here tonight. Aren't we a blessed people? Indeed, we are. But this ain't my home. That building right there is a big tent as much as this is a tent right above you here. And so it's just dangerous stuff. And listen, I know there's people that listen to that music and, and so forth. And I'm, I'm not judging any of their hearts I'm not here to villainize anybody. I'm not here to look down on anybody. I'm, I'm not here, again, to, to make 
unrighteous judgments, but I am here to speak truth. And I am here to uh, stand in sound doctrine and, and, and try to put out a warning and listen in all this. We've been talking about testing. Test my doctrine. For goodness sake, test it all by the word of God. I want you to do that. And, and we got to stand in truth. And I'm passionate about this because I've shared with you before, I grew up in, in, in movements like this and word of faith movement and so forth. And I saw firsthand the incredible amount of damage that it does to people. It's incredibly damaging. And so oftentimes it begins to move into realms that isn't just false teaching, but moves into realms of, of, of demonic practices and divination. And oftentimes with people that, uh, you know, it started even with a good intent. And then, you know, they start getting hooked by the spirit behind these things and so forth. Now, listen, how does this relate till today with, with the angels and spiritual warfare and all this? Well, listen, to this day, Satan is still trying to destroy Israel. And for the same reasons. And we've talked a lot about Israel. Listen, Israel's not perfect. It's far from perfect. There's a lot of wonderful and great things. And there's a blessing upon her that's from God without a doubt. But we know biblically all Israel's going to come to a place of salvation. That's what Daniel's 70th week is mainly about. And Satan to this day still wants to destroy her, though, because he feels that if he can destroy her again, it makes the promises of God null and void, and he proves God a liar. I mean, how does it all end with all the nations, again, not just with their weaponry pointed to heaven in the Valley of Armageddon, but also surrounded what city? Of all the cities in the world, New York, Paris, no. Jerusalem. We're going to destroy Israel. The Antichrist, again, we read, destroys two-thirds of the Jews. Why? To try to prove God a liar, to try to knock God off of his throne. Now listen, those things that happened back then were no doubt in part a result of occult activity, wickedness that was upon the earth, because the, de- the world's under the sway of Satan, but he can only still take what you give him. He can't just come and take whatever. There has to be a forfeiting of things over to him and so we can look at this and there had to have been an incredible amount of witchcraft wickedness occult activity and we look around our world today and what do we see an incredible amount of occult activity witchcraft in general at an all-time high listen the founders of black lives matter they're all admitted witches and marxists and again i'll say it every time Do black lives matter? 100% they matter. All lives matter. Are there prejudice in the world? You better believe they are. If you don't think there are, get your head out of the sand because every man and woman is born a sinner with prejudice that have to be brought to the cross of Calvary and we need to get our minds renewed. Can we say amen to that? But founded, again, by admitted witches who talk about conjuring up spirits to empower them and they use hashtags to promote their spiritism it gets into some weird stuff moving a movement that has come become something that looks nothing like an outcry of a man who was brutalized in the streets of Minneapolis and I know he had issues (laughs) but still you look at it you're like this is 100% 100% wrong, and if anyone says it's not, you know, well, they knew each other. Yeah, but maybe all the more you don't put your knee in the dude's neck for 10 minutes or whatever it was. Let's be truthful about it. Can we be truthful about things tonight? And now it's moved into some demonic manifestation that it's mainly snot-nosed, little, rich, white kids just out ripping things apart and so forth and it don't matter what color you are if you're like hey i'm not it don't matter what color you are they're against you i saw the other night in rochester the the manager of the mcdonald's a black guy and they came in and started giving these like get out of my restaurant i'm here to sell big macs and you're here ru-. you know they don't care about that that's just one snippet though this stuff is all over the place pharmacia again Rebellion is as a spirit of witchcraft, we read. It's pharmakia, the use of drugs and so forth. 
The deifying of man is a form of witchcraft. Again, men of renown in those days, boy, there, there's a lot of worship of men today. You look at our children of how much witchcraft they have been exposed to. I don't care what anyone says, the Harry Potter, Potter books are of the devil. Oh, my son learned to read through that. You know what? That's on you then. Because that's stuff written by a legitimate witch and full of legitimate witchcraft, 100%. Introduced to this stuff. And again, look, at maybe you don't know. I'm not trying to like, I was called a witch tonight. I'm not doing that. But I'm not going to roll over either and not address things that are true. Don't buy that for your grandchildren or your children. Get it out of your house. There's real satanic stuff in those books. But they like reading it. So what? I like doing a lot of stuff growing up that I shouldn't have been doing. And then you start looking at the elite in the world today or the high ups. We've all heard of spirit cooking, right? That's real stuff. Bill Gates, when all this COVID start, started, they were about to introduce a new technology. I can't remember the lady's name, but she's a full-on Satanist and witch and an artist. And she was the centerpiece of their campaign. It got called out, and a day later, they ripped it off of the Internet. You start looking at the pedophilia in the world and... You know what, the, 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 the sacrifices of children and so forth and the links. I mean, it seems like every major politician out there has some link to the Epstein Island. All of them. Now, I don't know what they're doing out there, but I don't think they're going out there to go fishing. And then you look at things like CERN over there in Europe where they are trying to open up other dimensions. These are efforts to open up other dimensions. What did they do in the Old Testament when the Canaanites would sacrifice their children to Moloch? They were trying to open up other dimensions to get favor from the demonic. Whether they knew it was the demonic or they had been convinced that, you know what, Satan is the illuminated one in the light and the God of the Bible is actually the evil one. And there's a lot of knuckleheads out there that believe that. And then again, a lot of this stuff, again, is even snuck into the church. I was raised in the Word of Faith movement. It's witchcraft. I put faith in my words, and I'll create my future. Whatever I imagine I want it to be, I put faith in my words, and I will speak it into existence. Its roots are satanic. They're new age. And yet the earth was Filled with this nonsense. Filled with it. Barely scratching the surface of all of this. And what did it produce back then? Great wickedness in the earth. Great deception. Delusional thinking. Depraved minds. It's producing these things today. And it's producing reports like this. I won't read this to you guys. And listen, I don't believe in aliens. I'll tell you that. But I do believe that Satan tries to come as an angel of light and he's a deceiver. And I do look around and I think that we are being primed for more and more deception in this fallen world. And I don't know if you recognize this, but in the last few months, our government and military agents and so forth have been putting out to everybody Things of, of, of accounts and uh, uh, so forth of disturbances in the skies and what they would call UFOs and aliens and that kind of stuff. Now, I don't believe in them, but I do know that there is a demonic and I know that when these things are talked about, man, they just come off like demons. I want to read this to you guys. Uh, this is from the UK Daily Star. It says, FBI admits, again, this stuff's biblical. F FBI admits of giant human-like aliens declassified uh, in a 1947 report. Now, listen, they talk about the actual report here, but it's interesting how these beings are described. And that's what I want you to get from this. It says, documents appearing, uh, appearing to mention flying saucers, and this is entry, interesting, Multi-dimensional uh, multi beings. 
have been declassified by the FBI. The report, which is nearly 70 page long, was penned by an unnamed professor. It would appear that the truth is, in fact, out there, documents appearing to mention flying saucers and multidimensional beings have reportedly been declassified by the FBI. Again, this is in one article. This is all over the place right now. Um, the files, which were leaked online, discuss alien encounters dating back to uh, 1947. The text mentioned flying saucers on several occasions and extraterrestrial ET, uh, ray-wielding disc uh, alien star reports. Dub uh, memorandum 6751 by believers, the FBI declassified the report this year. Written, and, and listen, some of this is probably nonsense, but I want to take you down here to the bottom. It says, written by an anonymous university professor, the extracts appear to explore the existence of alien ships that enter the atmosphere. It reads, a various situ situation may develop at any time with regard to flying saucers. If one of these should be attacked, the attacking plane will almost certainly be destroyed. In the public mind, this might create near panic and international uh, suspicion. The principal data concerning these crafts is now at hand and must be offered no matter how fantastic or unintelligible it may seem to minds that previously instructed uh, previously not previously instructed in thinking of this time the report the report's author goes on to describe the flying saucers it reads part of the disc carry crews others are under remote control their mission is peaceful the visitors contemplate settling on this plane it says the visitors are human-like, but much larger in size. They do not, this is what's interesting. They do not come from any planet, as we use the word, but are etheric. It says um, the disks possess a type of radiate energy or ray which will easily dis dis disintegrate any attacking ship. They re-enter from the etheric at will and so simply disappear from our vision without trace. So they're talking about a being that enters from one dimension to another. This is a description of demons is what this is. This ain't no description of aliens, but the demonic. And here's the thing. Listen, even if all this is just nonsense and lies being put out, I do know this. There are Beings in another dimension, the spiritual dimension, that absolutely are at war with God of mankind. Go read the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And it does seem very clearly that there are going to be even greater deceptions that come upon the earth. And here's the thing. When that day comes, when we are taken like Noah was taken, there's got to be an exclamation for these things, doesn't there? An explanation for it. It could be very easily, well, you know what? Our friends took care of them. Now we can really move forward in the new world order. It could be other types of deception. It could be a being coming and saying, hey, listen, I can, answer, I can solve all your problems. My name is Messiah. Come and follow me. It says about the Jews, they would reject Christ, but one would come in their own name whom they would receive. So listen, I'm not up here saying that all this definitely is true. But I do know this. These things have been pushed and pushed and pushed upon us through media and so forth. I mean, even look at the best movies probably in the last 20, 30 years. Many of them are of this theme. We look at the days of Noah and there was this great interaction. And this is probably the greater point I'm trying to make. This great interaction with spiritual realms that men should not have been tinkering with. And that is absolutely 100% going on today, and it's going to get messy. And we want to be a people that lean not on our understanding, but lean on the Lord. Now, also about those days, listen, their thoughts were continually on evil. And they didn't even have the internet. Can you believe that? These are thoughts that are not only upon sinful pursuits, but... Psalm 10.3 says, the wicked boasts in his heart's desires. He blesses the greedy, renounces the Lord. The wickedness in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. And that's so many people today. 
It's not just that they are pursuing sin and so forth. They don't even want to think about God. Not the God of the Bible. You even, you even mention God. That just upsets them. I was at a store the other day, and I was passing out some tracts in there. And when I got to the cash register, the lady was a little rude, but I thought, you know what? I'm going for it. And I said, hey, I got a little booklet here about the Lord, and I'd like to invite you to church. She looked at it, and she threw it right in the trash in front of me. I'm like, man, you couldn't at least wait for me to be gone? My wife fished it out and put it up on the counter there for someone else to find. So God's in none of their thoughts. Now, I, I don't know why she did that. Maybe she just thought I was a creeper or something. But God's, pe- people don't, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. There is an effort right now to wash the things of the Lord Jesus Christ from our culture. <laughs> to wash away the things of God. Great wickedness then, as it says, great wickedness now. Again, in Luke's gospel, Jesus compares it as well to the days of Lot, where they ate, drank, bought, sold, planted, they built. And then it says, the day Lot went out of Sodom, God rained fire and brimstone. You think about the days of Lot in Genesis 4, it says about those two angels. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old, young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called out to Lot and said, where are the men? who came to you tonight, bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Everyone from every corner had become a universally accepted thing. We're all good with it. I'm going to say something right now that some of you guys might fall out of your seat and be grossly offended by. (laughs) You're like, I already did. (laughs) Listen. Well, I'll say this first. California lawmakers this past week They passed a law where, and I think it still has to be signed off by our dictator. (laughs) But basically, if you're within 10 years of the child you molest and they are a willing participant, you won't go into the sex offender registry. It's horrendous. Horrendously wicked. Here's another thing, though, too. Our president, who I love many things that he has done, has been the most pro-gay president we've ever had. You're like, no, Obama. Listen, Obama ran, and he lied, but he said, I believe marriage between a man and a woman. Trump ran on the premises, it is what it is. It is what it is. What if you come to the Trump Towers and you're a man dressed up by the woman? You've got to use the men's restroom. They can use whatever one they want. Got quiet out here real quick, right? I'm going to keep it real. I pray for the man. I appreciate his stance on pro-life issues. I voted for him for that reason. I said, if he'll appoint a pro-life Supreme Court judge, he's got my vote. And he did, but a lot of those guys flip-flop in time. So we praying for those guys. He moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. That's a godly thing. But when it comes to issues of this, people even say, look, this is probably the most... Pro-gay marriage president we ever had. Because Obama didn't flip-flop until like the last couple years of, of his second term on it. Kind of like I'm going to do this and I'm, I'm out of here, right? We'll light up the White House with a, a rainbow, whatever. So be praying for our president and hear this tonight. If you are in the place of saying, boy, in November, our guy's going to win again and everything's going to go back to normal, that's fool's gold. You better put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and be praying for all of these men from our dictator in Sacramento to our president in Washington. You better be lifting them up to the Lord and you better be putting your hope in the Lord himself. Because listen, he's the president right now and there's chaos in the streets. And it's a whole mixed bag of nuts and so forth But we got to keep it real in this stuff. And I'm going to give an account before God if I'm telling you don't put your hope in Trump. Put it in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not doing you. I'm not. I am not being a proper shepherd if I don't do that. And I think what you're seeing is one way or another. You're seeing these church churches get woke like whatever. And then others gravitating over here and like 
you know, we're going to form a militia. And maybe we have to one day. I don't know. But we need to keep it real with this stuff. And put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Should we vote? Absolutely. Should we look and see what's the closest to biblical values? Absolutely. I think the most important issues are, are life in the womb, marriage, and the attitude towards Israel. I think those are the most important issues. I'll tell you honestly, I don't know how a Christian, a born-again Christian, could support men and women that are for abortion. That's a satanic 100%. It's satanic. But oh, but this guy, what he says, and all, blah, blah, blah. I ain't looking. If we're voting for personalities, I ain't voting for any of them. I think the bulk of them are a bunch of fake phonies that are out to promote themselves first and foremost. That's my opinion. But you look at the policy. So anyhow, that's probably the biggest rant I've gone on out here the whole time we've been out here. There was also great violence in that time. And listen, again, the violence we're seeing on our streets, it's, it's a reflection of the abortion clinics. And you talk about deception there. You talk about black lives there. Planned Parenthood is all about destroying black lives. Margaret Stanger is a, one of the biggest racists in the history of this world. Her first abortion clinic was in Harlem, and it was paid for by Sears and Roebuck with an effort to destroy black folks, calling them the blight of the earth. Wicked. Satanic. Evil. That's genocide. Genocide, it needs to be called out. And again, great violence, men of renown, and these beings that the Bible describes as giants, men that were worshipped. And what happened with mankind then? They feared men. They didn't fear God. They wanted a earthly deliverer. They weren't interested in the God of Noah. And so many people running around. There's a, there's a remnant hungry for God, praise the Lord. But so many are running around. They want flesh and blood to come answer their problems. Give us a man that can solve all of our problems. And it's going to usher in the Antichrist who's going to show up and says, I can fix it all, fellas. And when you got someone who shows up, who both sides can go, man, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Because let me tell you, if you're like the Maytag repairman, you can go in there and you can fiddle with something and then come back and go, you know, I think it might be this and fix it real quick. Oh, boy, he fixed it. When you got someone helping to create the problems, it's easy for them to come and put forth a temporary fix of the problems. Let's just pull back the legions of demons for a bit here. Can you imagine if just the average person isn't oppressed by the demonic the way that they normally are for a month or two? And they think it's coming from this man that has all the answers? This world's getting set up for the great deceiver that's going to come and try to pose to be God Almighty. Listen, we're going to close on some good notes here. But Noah found grace. Boy, we need grace, amen. We need the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the only place it's found. And the grace that's talked about here is that Noah was a believer. He believed still that that Messiah was going to come through the seed of a woman and was going to crush the serpent's head. He believed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only way that any of us are going to be saved. That's our only hope. What's it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses a soul? Christ died for our sins. He rose from the grave. He defeated sin, death, and Satan. And we are saved through repenting and putting our hope in him and him alone. And Noah found that. Noah walked with God. Praise God. Listen, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how smoky the sky is, no matter how Gotham City-like the headlines in the news are, is Jesus your Lord tonight? Can you say amen to that? You have an invitation to abide in Christ and walk with your God. Make sure that you are not filling your mind 
with too much of all of this stuff. We should be aware of what's going on. We should be praying. But let's make our aim to walk with God. Do not let Satan steal the joy of the Lord that is your inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, he heard God's voice. He believed. He obeyed. He preached the gospel. He ministered to his family. He was in the world, but not of it. He was called in the ark. God shut the door. He was saved through that ark. And then as he went in, a judgment came upon the world. For as the days of the flood, verse 38, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Business as usual. When I read Revelation about the tribulation, it don't look like no business as usual in there. When you're working all day for a loaf of bread, business as usual. In Lot's account, it even goes, they were even doing more. It almost seems like a picture of a booming economy. And we've talked about that, how some believe that the economy will keep chugging along anyway. It seems it was the case in the days of Noah, Sodom. Judah before Nebuchadnezzar took him into captivity was probably one of their most prosperous times going back to maybe the days of Noah and Solomon. But Noah warned, Lot warned, no one listened, many laughed. The Lord shut the door of the ark. The Lord, praise God, dragged Lot out of the city. And if he's your Lord, when he comes back for his church, he's taking you home. Whether he has to peel your hands off the world or peel the world's hands off of you. But what if I'm watching a movie and it's rated R? He's still going to take you. I grew up in church. They said if you're in the movie house and it's a, it's a movie with bad words, you're going to be left behind. What, are we saved by works now? Through Jesus and what movies you watch? Now listen, use your freedom for good things. But let's not get all false gospel up in here because there's some old lady in the church that don't like movies. And she wants to throw that judgment on everyone. Meanwhile, she's the church gossip. I'm going on a rant. <laughs> so sudden destruction came and took them all away. And look, at, uh, we're not going to get to questions tonight. Write them down. We'll talk about it next week. I want to, we got like two minutes here. It says, two men will be in the field, one taken, the other left. Two men, women grinding at the mill, one taken, the other left. The word taken here means to be received in the Hebrew. Left behind. Or left means to be put away. And we read clearly again. I won't read the whole thing. But 1 Thessalonians 4. It says in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel. With the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Taken. The word caught up. It is a, it is a picture of being violently snatched away. It's where we get the word raptus in the Latin and rapture in the English. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And we'll come back to this next week, Lord willing. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Watch, it means to be vigilant. It means to be awake. In chapter 25, the Lord gives the parable of the ten virgins. They all fell asleep. Lord, let that not be us. Let us be awake. Let us be vigilant. Let's be about the business of God. Let's be like Noah, who was walking with God, versus I look at Lot, who was a righteous man. But when he talked to his son-in-laws about God, they laughed at him like, when do you get all religious? There's a contrast between the two of them. Now, praise God, they had something similar. They were both righteous how? By faith. Not their works. Noah wasn't saved through faith, plus he built an ark. But what are we going to do in the freedom that we have? Are we going to walk with God? Or are we going to get caught up in the nonsense of this world to be more confirmed to the world versus being transformed through the renewing of our mind? So uh, we'll probably have to edit this sermon here. <laughs> Listen, my... my I, I want to tell you guys, listen, my aim up here is, is, is to try to, to be truthful, to, to uh, you know, 
I've been accused before. I, you, you know, you're trying to offend somebody. I said, that ain't my aim. I, I want to save somebody. Not that I can save anybody, but the gospel does. And my aim's not to, to again, not to uh, uh, have a smear campaign. It, it's it's to, to look out for the souls of, you know, what our fellowship and so forth. And so I hope you receive these things as such. And I told you we're going to talk about some stuff tonight. So praise God. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you for your person and who you are. I thank you that you are our Savior. And we thank you that indeed whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no partiality with our God. And listen, if you're here tonight and you haven't come to Christ, today's the day of salvation. If you're at home watching this, today's the day of salvation. Humble your heart before your maker. Genuinely ask him to be your Lord. That's not a two-minute fire insurance prayer. That's Jesus, please be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. I yield to you. Be my Savior, my God, my Lord, all of my days. I'm putting my faith, my hope in you. Thank you for watching me, forgiving me, and cleansing me. Lord, meet any and all. We pray, God, where they're at. If there's others tonight just considering these things, Lord, don't let the enemy bind the enemy or rebuke the enemy, God, from snatching away the seeds of the gospel. Bless our fellowship right now. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. We said together, amen. Amen.